Hey guys, it's Ashley. I'm uh, coming at you from the future to let you know that Mallory has compiled some images for you to follow on Instagram. It might be helpful for you to look at those as you listen to the episode to get a full experience of what we are looking at. It's going to blow your mind, dude. To rabbit hole happy hour. I'm Ashley and I'm Mallory. Welcome we, back. Welcome back. Oh. W- 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 welcome back. <laughs> we are on our 10th episode, Mallory. Oh my god, it's 10 episodes. <laughs> Ashley got me a gift for it being 10 episodes. <laughs> Such a cute little bunny ear ring. Yeah, we'll have to post a picture. Yeah, or something. I remember reading back when we were like looking at all our analytics, like how to tell if your podcast is doing well, and it said something like most podcasts don't even get to 10 episodes. Damn. And here we are. Here we are. Two of the biggest quitters in life. <laughs> How We're many sticking times with it. Yeah. We're sticking with a hobby for once. Oh my God. So yes. Well, it's Mallory's turn tonight. It's my turn. Mallory has made us a delicious cocktail. I'm so pleasantly surprised by this cocktail. I looked it up and I chose it for the name. Anybody that knows the story will know why I chose it. It's called Water Under the Bridge. And let's see, what's in it? It's gin, watermelon juice, lemon juice, ancho reyes liqueur, liqueur. which is like a chili. Is it? Yeah, it's like a chili liqueur. Yeah. Simple syrup. Did you say that? Simple syrup. The recipe actually called for lavender honey syrup, but I don't think that that would have tasted good. And I couldn't find it anyway, and I didn't make it, so I got simple syrup, and it's perfect. Yeah, I'm. I'm totally recommend that. I'm in the camp that lavender is for scent purposes only, and not for taste. (laughs) So come at me if you disagree. I don't. I don't even know what lavender tastes like. I have no clue. I don't want to know. It's a flower. So the the moral of the story is we neither of us know what it tastes like, but we don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> we love the smell, but we don't want to taste it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's so delicious. It's really good. So you guys should try it. Mallory, do you think we're actually mixologists? Because <laughs> we make some pretty good drinks. We've either gotten lucky or we are really good mixologists. I think we've gotten lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Because I looked it up on the internet. Well, I guess I should put this at the top, but if you guys are new, why don't you just go ahead and uh, like us, like follow us, do that. Follow us on all the social medias mm-hmm. um, at Rabbit Hole Happy Hour. And you could also give us a review if you feel so inclined. Yeah, it takes two clicks on, or like one. Spotify Yeah, two so clicks easy. on Spotify. Literally just listen to the episode and give us five stars. You don't have to write anything on Spotify. It's just the stars. But if you have words, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. That would really make our day. It would. Case updates. Case updates. I have some case updates. Updates. (laughs) (laughs) So Chandler Halderson's sentencing is coming up. We won't talk again before it. So it's it's on March 17th which is a Thursday, 
St. Patty's Day. Ah, it sure is. That's my Irish accent. <laughs> Sounded very Iranian. <laughs> oh, no. St. <laughs> Patty's Day. St. Patty's Day. Okay, sorry. So, something of note, he has requested that he be absent for this sentence. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Which, I don't know if, I guess you're technically allowed to do that, but. Yeah, I guess his lawyer will just go in for him. Yeah. Yeah, so that makes He's me probably very sad. trying to avoid having to like make a speech or whatever because you know, like sometimes they'll like say yeah something, and also he did, probably doesn't want to hear the victim uh-huh. impact statements. That's probably very true, which sucks because like he's even more of an asshole for not allowing the victims to they say their piece to him. They deserve for him to be there and listen to. I that. think he should have to be there. I agree a hundred percent. I don't know if. I don't know if he will be there or not, but I hope so. Yeah. Another update is not related to a case we've covered, but everyone knows this case. Gabby Batito, her cause of death is now described as blunt force trauma to the head and neck, as well as the manual strangulation. I was about to say, it was just manual strangulation. Oh, wow. Yeah. So in addition, there was those two. Oh, my God. And Gabby's mom and dad have filed a lawsuit on March 10th accusing the Laundries of knowing about Gabby's murder and planning to help Brian flee the country. Oh my god. So how yeah. did do they figure out somehow that they They must have some sort of it? evidence in wow. order to take them to court. But I honestly can't see how they didn't know though because they went on that camping trip that was like after he got back and she was already dead and they had a, you know, jolly old time. So in the new lawsuit, Petito's parents allege that Laundry told his parents what happened on or about August 28th. This is a quote. Brian Laundry advised his parents, Christopher Laundry and Roberta Laundry, that he had murdered Gabrielle Petito. On the same day, Christopher Laundry and Roberta Laundry spoke with the attorney, Steve Bertolino, and sent him a retainer. And that was on September 2nd, 2021. So the parents, the laundry parents exhibited extreme and outrageous conduct, which goes beyond all possible bounds of decency and is regarded as shocking, atrocious, and utterly intolerable in a civilized community. They must have been shitting their pants in that house when all that media was oh like outside God. because they knew. Well, the dad was like out there mowing the grass. Oh like, God. why don't you just call someone to come do it for you? Yeah. It's so weird. Instead Um, of exposing yourself to reporters and shit that'll harass you. I know. I don't don't know. Petito's parents are seeking damages of at least $100,000, according to the documents filed this week, stating that they suffered pain and mental anguish as a result of the willfulness and maliciousness of the laundries. That's not a lot of money, so I think Mm -hmm. this is mainly just to, like, have their day in court and really, like, let the community know that... Yes. The laundries are dirtbags. Pieces of shit. Yeah. So they um, kept a secret that shouldn't have been kept. And they yes. wasted so many resources. Oh, they yeah. should have reported it immediately. And then, you know, I don't even know how long the search took, but it was a while. It was a long time. Yeah. And I remember they found Brian's notebook by his bones. Mm-hmm. And he did write. A confession in that notebook. I wonder if he wrote something about telling his parents. Oh, yeah. Or something. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, that's the extent of my updates here. Cool. Well, I don't have any case updates. Sorry. And I don't have any updates about my life either. (laughs) Do you have any updates about your life? (laughs) 
I just got back from getting my son's haircut, which (laughs) is a wild ride. (laughs) He's a (laughs) two-year-old. So they put them in these, like, seats that look like cars, which is so brilliant. (laughs) Yeah. And they have, like, movies playing all over and all these different TVs and, like, just distraction. He did really well. He did really well. Nice. Um, He looks super cute. Oh, Um, I bet he's so handsome. He has the poofiest hair, like his mom and, like, my family. My brother has poofy hair, too. But um, now he's all trimmed up and good to go. Another update with me is I started my new... Sorry. Sorry. It's just so funny that that was the update. (laughs) My son got a haircut. Yeah. Well, a more monumental update is I started a job. I started my job. Yay. Yay. That is awesome. So I will no longer be a housewife. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. So I'm tired. Yeah. Ashley, literally, when she came over here, she was like, I'm so happy right now. I don't have to deal with Adrian or Tudor. And I was just like, pour me a drink, baby. (laughs) I was like, do you want a drink? She was like, right now. Yes. So anyway, we're here to talk about what, Mallory? I am going to tell you about the Delphi murders. So, February 13th, 2017, was a snow makeup day. I had to, like, literally look this up. I don't even know what a snow makeup day is, but I guess if it doesn't snow, they have, like, built-in snow snow days. Mm -hmm. And so, anyway, they just got, like, basically a free day off of school because it didn't snow. So school is out for the students at Delphi Community Middle School in Delphi, Indiana. Abigail Williams, who went by Abby, a 13-year-old 8th grader, and her best friend, 14-year-old Liberty German, who went by Libby, also in 8th grade at the same school, decided to have a sleepover at Libby's house. Aww. They had a sleepover the day before, so I just just now realized that was confusing. So they spent the night with each other February 12th into the 13th. Libby lived with her dad, her grandmother, and her grandfather. And that's just sort of a relevant detail I wanted to throw out there in the mix. But anyway, the girls did typical sleepover activities and liberty, liberty, Libby. Liberty, liberty, liberty. (laughs) Liberty. (laughs) Libby's older sister, Kelsey, hung out with them. So they all had like a movie night and ate pizza Abby, I, I know. <laughs> Abby and Libby stayed up late, and this was like so funny and cute to me. They painted a sign that just said chocolate. <laughs> they are our people. I know. And then they took videos of each other, and they were just like being funny and stuff. Like Aww. I, I saw some videos, that, not that they took that night, but like of them, and it reminded us. It reminded us. <laughs> it reminded me of us because they were like way younger than us, but they would make the stupidest faces that were so funny. Aww. I was laughing. It was great. Oh, they look so sweet. I know. So they woke up around 10 and they decided they wanted pancakes. So Libby's dad, Derek, made pancakes for them. Yes, Derek. <laughs> I couldn't find a picture of Derek, by the way. <laughs> I put a picture of a pancake in the present. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's too late now. But so they had pancakes and they ended up getting bored. And they told Libby's older sister, Kelsey, that they wanted to go to the Monon High Bridge, 
which was an old railroad bridge surrounded by hiking trails in Canal Park, east of Delphi. Kelsey offered to take them, and then Libby's dad, Derek, agreed to pick them up at around 3.30. Mallory has a picture of this bridge, so do they walk on this bridge? Mm-hmm. That looks not safe. It's not. It's not safe at all. There's something like this at Rope Mill. Have you seen it? No, I've never It's like two seconds from my house. I've never been there. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's scary, and we walked across it early. Maybe we didn't walk all the way across it, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's a really high it, railroad track that's above a river of some kind, or maybe a stream. Mm-hmm. It's a creek. They say it's a creek. It looks looks like a river to me. But. It's big. So at about 1.30 p.m., Kelsey drove them to the park, stopped at the entrance, and told Libby that she loved her, and she watched them walk away. So the Monon High Bridge is more than a century old. And it's 853 feet long, and it's Deer Creek is what runs 70 feet below it. So that's 70 feet high. And it hasn't been used by trains since the 1980s, so the railroad ties are in pretty rough shape. There are large gaps in between the railroad ties, and it's really difficult to get across Uh. it. But people still do. They walk on it. And then just as a side note, because people refer to it as just the high bridge, I will probably be saying just the high bridge. (laughs) Okay. So it was now 3.30 p.m. and Libby's dad, Derek, showed up to the area where he was supposed to pick him up and the girls weren't there. He tried calling Libby, but she wasn't answering her phone. Abby did not have a cell phone, so he could only try to, you know, attempt to contact Libby. So Derek called his mom, Becky, who's Libby's grandmother, and told her that he couldn't get in touch with her. And Derek knew it was not like Libby to ignore his texts and phone calls. She would always respond. She was good about that, you know, especially when she was expecting him to call. So he parked his car and he began walking the trails to search for them. Derek reached the point where the trails intersect and he stopped a man dressed in a flannel shirt who was approaching the intersection coming from what is called the 501 trail. Derek asked the man with the flannel shirt, did you happen to see two girls up there? And the man replied, no, I didn't, but there's a couple on the bridge. So because he didn't see the girls on the 501 trail, Derek started walking the other trail that leads directly to the creek edge called the 505 trail. Get more creative names. Right. God. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Derek didn't see the girls on the 505, so he returned back up to the trail intersection. He called his mom, Becky, again and told her that he could not contact or find them. Becky started trying to call Libby and text Libby and, and everything, and she enlisted her daughter, Tara, who was Libby's aunt, to try to get in touch with her, too. They had no luck. A little before 4 o'clock, so this is 30 minutes later, They still couldn't get in touch with them. So Becky and Tara decided they're going to go up there and help Derek search. Tara drove straight to the trail while Becky was making a few calls. And then Becky called her husband, Mike, who was Libby's grandpa. He was at work in Lafayette, Indiana, and she alerted him to the situation. He decided to take off work. He drove to the trail to help search. Becky called Kelsey, Libby's sister, and told her what was going on. And Kelsey said she would call her work and delay her shift by a few hours so that she could help search. So Kelsey was at her boyfriend's house, so she left there and drove to the trail. And then they got Libby's uncle Cody as well to come help. They kind of like theorized about which path the girls would have taken if they were trying to walk home, maybe. They drove the two possible paths the girls could have taken, but they didn't see them. At this point in time, the family was just thinking that, you know, they had somehow gotten hurt 
on the trail from a fall or like Libby's phone had been damaged or something. Becky ended up calling AT&T, the phone company, and asked if they could ping Libby's phone to locate it. Okay. But AT&T said they could not do that for legal reasons. Uh, They're like middle school age girls. I know. Becky then asked AT&T about cell phone tracking apps like Find My iPhone or, you know, whatever, which would allow them to track the phone. Becky ended up downloading the app herself, but it took a bit for it to become clear that because the phone that Libby had with her didn't have the app, the method was not going to work. So I can't imagine what it must feel like to like your kids not answering their phone. Oh my God. And they're supposed to be at a certain spot. And there's this huge expanse of like where they could be because it's literally a park full of trails that like with hikers and you know, an anxiety attack. Oh my God. I I would, I would die. Hmm. Libby's grandfather, Mike called the police to help start searching at around 5 30 PM because they still couldn't get in touch with them. Becky had also been unable to get a hold of Abby's mom, Anna, by phone. So she actually drove to Anna's house and was told that Anna was at work. So I think she just wasn't like looking at her phone or something. But after that, Becky got a call from Mike, who informed her that the police requested for them to both drive to the police station to file a missing persons report. But Anna ended up calling her back and they decided to meet at the police station. She said that she had just gotten a chance to check her phone. Then after they filed the missing persons report, they actually got the Carroll County Sheriff's Department, Delphi Police Department, and the Delphi Fire Department all involved, and the Department of Natural Resources for some reason to start, I guess because it was in a park, to start searching for them. Good. Yeah. I was stunned because most of the time, I feel like in these cases... They're just told, oh, they ran away. Yeah. Well, I guess at this age, Mm -hmm. they're middle school. So technically, they're not of the age where they would like drive away somewhere. Yeah, true. That's true. With a boyfriend. They're young enough that they would like, I don't know, that it's a a cause for concern if they're not where they said they're going to be. Yeah. So Delphi is a small town with a population of about 3,000 people. So the news with social media and stuff of the girls going missing spread like wildfire in the town. You know, people were calling and texting each other, sharing posts on social media, and tons of people came up, uh, showed up to help start searching for them. It was crazy. I could only hope if I were to lose my child, that would be the same. It would be the same. Yeah. The night progressed, the searches continued, and Becky and Kelsey actually started looking for clues on the girls' social media. And I think it was really just Libby's social media because Abby didn't have a phone or anything. So Kelsey found that Libby had actually posted a couple of Snapchat photos. Oh. One of them showed Abby on the high bridge looking down, kind of like she was looking where she was stepping because it's freaking dangerous to cross. I mean, look at that thing. Yeah. It's like rotting, basically. She has her hands in her pockets. She's wearing jeans, a red shirt with a gray hoodie, Converse sneakers, and her hair was in a bun. In the photo, it was apparent that she's already crossed over the portion that goes over the creek. So they're kind of on the other, the far Mm -hmm. side of the bridge. The second Snapchat photo is just a black and white picture of the bridge. No people in it. It's just like a straight on picture from like, if you're standing on the bridge, looking at where the bridge kind of disappears into the woods. One of Abby and Libby's friends actually took a screenshot of the photos three hours after they were posted, 
which along with other corroboration, I think other people had taken screenshots, it was determined that they were posted around 2.07 p.m. Mm -hmm. And they were supposed to meet up with Derek at 3.30. Okay. So it was about an hour and a half before they were supposed to be picked up. Oh my God, that's so creepy. Yeah. The search continued into the night. Libby was afraid of the dark, Becky said, and she said that there was no way she was going to be out there by choice. Yeah. Near midnight, a joint decision was made by authorities to discontinue all emergency services that were searching because the search had not been fruitful so far and they had limited resources being a small town. They had to let the at least the emergency services go for the night. Carroll County Sheriff Tobe Lesenby said in a news release that at that point that there was no reason to suspect foul play or to believe the girls were in immediate danger. The biggest concern was exposure to the elements. During the day, it was like 45 degrees was the high, I think. Oh, but the no. low so gonna was really going to be cold. Yeah, it was going to be at least in the 30s or 20s. But there were people even that were a part of those emergency services that continued to search through the night because everybody knew each other, you know? Yeah. So the next day, hundreds of people resumed searching. They actually made the fire department a search command center and they like were dividing people into groups and assigned them to like different areas and to make it more organized. I love that. Yeah. Helicopters and kayakers actually joined the search as well. Speaking of, remember I told you about that girl who was in the river? Oh, yeah. And they had a helicopter out searching for her that morning. Have you heard anything about that? I haven't. I I forgot about that. I meant to look it up because it's it's in that same park we were talking about that's right down the street from me. Apparently she was, it said a young girl, so I thought it was like a like a child, but it was yeah. a, an adult woman. <laughs> she was like 20-something, right? Yeah. yeah. But still, I mean... That's scary. You go swimming and you disappear. It's crazy. Yikes. Also, it's too cold to be... Well, I guess it warmed up a little bit for a while, but the water has got to be cold as shit. It was like before 8 (laughs) a.m. What the hell is she doing? That's crazy. I'm going to have to look into it after this. Yeah. Okay. So around noon, Libby's sister Kelsey was with her assigned group at the high bridge. All of a sudden, they heard somebody yell out that they found a shoe. Oh, my God. Kelsey knew what shoes Libby was wearing when she left the house the day before. And so she yelled back, what kind of shoe is it? And they yelled back that it was a black Nike. And Kelsey knew it was Libby's. Oh, no. Where did they find it? Was it in the water? I don't know the exact location of the shoe. But I think they kind of had like a game of telephone going on because... Well, I'll I'll tell you in a second. Hang on. Okay. (laughs) She said not even 30 seconds later, she heard somebody yell out that they found the girls. Oh, no. A set of footprints had led volunteers to the area. They were both found deceased. So there was three-fourths of a mile from the high bridge near the edge of the water of Deer Creek on private property. So I don't know I don't know where the Nike was, mm-hmm. but I think they probably had a game of telephone kind of going on because... It's kind of a distance between where Kelsey was at the high bridge and the creek itself. Oh, my God. So Mallory has a picture up. It's like a picture of where the bridge is that they were walking on. But there's the creek that goes under the bridge. But then it like goes parallel with the bridge. And they're on the opposite side of the creek. Mm-hmm. It's on the other side, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And it was on private. That part is private property. Um, Like, I wonder if the river or the creek flows this way. Maybe if they fell. I don't know. I 
That's a good question. I don't know which way it flows. Oh, God, I hate this. The scene has actually been described as especially gruesome. Law enforcement brought in counselors to help them after having seen it. Um, Oh, my God. Sorry to disappoint those nasty people, but (laughs) the details of the scene have never been released. They're keeping that close to them. In February of 2020, former prosecutor on the case, Robert Ives, was interviewed for the podcast Down the Hill, The Delphi Murders. It's an HLN podcast. He said that the scene was very odd and unusual. He said that there were probably two or three items at the scene that he would describe as like a signature of the killer. Oh, my God. And so it's clear they were killed and it wasn't like a drowning or a fall. Yes. It was very obvious that they were killed. Oh, God. Yes. Yep. The only physical evidence we actually know about was actually heard on Indiana State Police radio, like their scanner radio. They found a cigarette butt in the water and they found a pair of girls' undergarments. Was it theirs? All I know is that that's from when they were searching and gathering evidence from that case. Probably not. Otherwise, they would have said. Well, they probably didn't know at that time either. They probably didn't want to specify anyway afterwards, Mm -hmm. I bet. So who knows? Authorities held a press conference at 1.50 p.m. announcing that two bodies had been found in the area where the girls went missing and the search was officially being scaled back. But because the bodies had not been officially identified yet, they couldn't say at the time that it was the girls, but everybody knew. Word spreads very quickly and like half the community was out there searching anyways. And at that press conference, the family requested that they thank everybody that had been searching. It was very obvious that it was them. Autopsies were performed the next day. And at 2.30 p.m., Sergeant Kim Riley with the Indiana State Police announced in a press conference that they had positively identified the bodies as those of Abigail Williams and Liberty German. Sergeant Riley says that they are considering it a double homicide investigation and urges anyone who was in the area of the Monon High Bridge on February 13th to come forward with any information. A media representative asks if there is any immediate danger to the community, to which they say not at this time. But when asked if there was a person of interest or anybody in custody, they said no. So I think this is like a really weird set of responses that kind of contradict each other because a murder is quite literally on the loose, like in a small community. And they're saying that there's no threat at the time. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's weird. I still think that, you know, you should be careful. (laughs) I think sometimes police are like trying to sound like they have it all under control when. Yeah, they didn't want to scare people either. I'm sure. Yeah. But, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, it's just sort of contradictory. So the Carroll County Police Department leads the investigation at this point, and assisting them are the Indiana State Police, Delphi Police Department, and they pulled in the FBI evidence response team along with other FBI resources. Okay. So later that evening, police released a photo. The photo shows a man walking on the Monon High Bridge, And they said it was around the same time that Abby and Libby were there. I am interested in what your description of this man. He looks to be just like a basic white guy with, you know, blue jeans, blue parka. (laughs) He looks suspicious because he just is by himself looking down 
that's all he got. Really. Okay. He just kind of <laughs> looks like a basic white guy, right? Yeah, he looks very, he looks like anybody's dad. Yeah. But what people saw in these photos was widely debated on the internet. Because it's so grainy, first of all, the quality is not good. But yeah, armchair detectives were all over this picture. I remember when I was following this case, I would see so many different interpretations on like Reddit and web sleuths of what people thought this man was actually wearing. Who, by the way, he's nicknamed Bridge Guy. That's what everybody calls him. His name is Bridge Guy. He has his hands in his pockets. Maybe he has a gun. That's a theory. You know, like, did he stuff his jacket or is he really bulkier on the top? Is he wearing a golf hat? Is it a hood? Does he have a scarf on? I I assume that was his hair. Like, he had bushy brown hair. I never saw it. Like, see, this is the thing. You can look at it one way. See, I see like a hood, but you know what? It does look like his hair. I just think it's his hair. Like he just has fluffy hair. I never looked at it that way before. Wow, that's just how I saw it. That's crazy. But yeah, it's like, is he young or old or is he fat or is it just the clothes he's wearing or did he stuff a bunch of crap in his, you know, if he's actually a suspect, did he stuff stuff in his coat, you know? Just to me, it looks like a maybe 50 year old, 200 pound guy, Mm -hmm. maybe. The body shape is like um, thinner legs and then a rounder upper <laughs> torso. But it's important to note that the police did not name the man a suspect at the press conference. Just asked to speak with either the man himself or anyone that you know saw or knows the man. They actually didn't say what the source of this photo was either. So everyone was like speculating over oh, their security cameras or like trail cams or something like that in the park. Oh, I thought this might have been from the Snapchat. Mm. <laughs> what? They didn't reveal the source of this time. <laughs> so this case was picking up speed in the media. Media flooded Delphi while the locals were trying to process what had happened. Like, you know, all the kids at the schools and especially the school that they came from, They had counselors come in and talk to them, and parents were dealing with how to tell their children that, yeah, your friend is not only gone, but they were actually murdered. Yeah. You know? Um, How do you do that? I want to hear that conversation. Oh, my God. I don't know. I listened to that podcast I mentioned earlier, Down the Hill, and they interviewed some of the parents, and one lady was like, I was in my car going to pick up my daughter, And I just went back and forth in my head. Do I tell her? Do I not tell her? How do I say it? She didn't even make up her mind until like the last second. She was like, no, she deserves to know. I'm just going to tell her. But I can't. I think I would tell. I think I would tell too. And I would just Mm -hmm. say somebody hurt Libby and Abby. Yeah. And they're no longer with us. Yeah. So you just have to be cautious. Like that sort of thing. Careful about the way you word it and stuff too. Yeah. So media flooded Delphi. And this is all while suspicions rose about everybody that they knew in the community that could fit the description of the photo. You know, they're starting to become suspicious of each other because he's not caught. He's assumed to be a local. Could be somebody they passed on the street, man at the, you know, store, a neighbor, a friend, a family member. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. What if you recognized him, but it was, like, brother? Oh, my God. And you're like, I don't want to, ugh. Oh, my God. Seriously. (laughs) So hundreds of tips started to flood in. On February 16th, so this is two days after they were found, 
Police served a search warrant to a home on a property on the southwest side of Carroll County. Police were there for several hours. They took photos, collected evidence, and searched the field adjacent to the property. Police said they obviously had probable cause to search the property given the information they had actually received in the tips from this case, but no arrests were made. So the community was buzzing about the search because they figured it was related to the case. And it was the big first, I mean, the first big thing in the investigation that the police had done in the public's eye. I guess word had got out that it was maybe related to this case or because of tips in the case or something. Yeah. Unfortunately, apparently the people that lived there started being harassed like immediately. Um, Oh, no. The people doing the harassing did not waste any time because... Prosecutor Robert Ives also didn't waste any time and posted on Facebook that very same night, please do not harass, bother, or accuse anyone. There are no charges pending against anyone as a result of the pending investigation. No one at the home searched is suspected of committing any crime. Please, please leave these people alone and let the police work. (laughs) Oh, my God. People are just unbelievable. Yeah, they go nuts. So on February 18th, they held a public visitation for family and friends at Delphi Hell School. Hell School. At Delphi High School for Abby and Libby. The next day on February 19th, they actually released a statement that Bridge Guy was now considered a prime suspect in the investigation. So a press conference was held a few days later on February 22nd, 2017. Indiana State Police, in conjunction with the FBI, they revealed that the photo of Bridge Guy was actually taken from Libby's cell phone. So she had taken a video. They released audio taken from the video on Libby's phone as well. Was it just, was it of Abby or was it of him? Like they were like, what, this guy's weird. You mean the video? Yeah. Yeah. So they were probably taking videos anyway because they did that a lot, but... I think they felt uncomfortable, and Libby started recording. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. What was the audio? Are you going to play it? I'm going to play it for you. I'm going to play it for you. (laughs) Give me a second. Hang on. Okay. So I'll play it a few times because it's very short. Down the hill? He's saying down the hill. Yeah, my next line was in case you're unable to make out what he's saying because it's pretty garbled and and it was even when they released this audio, you could not tell what he was saying, but they enhanced it and he's saying down the hill. It sounds like they're walking in leaves or something. Yeah, I don't know what that extra noise is, but down the hill. And to be honest, I don't know at what point that audio is taken from in the video. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know that it's necessarily when we see him on the bridge. It could be later. But yeah, that creeps me out so much because... It he's sounds like he's telling them Telling to them to go down the hill. Oh my God, a perv. Ugh. And, you know, they were already creeped out, I think, because she had the foresight to, like... Record it. Record it. Oh, Oh my my God. God. And she was actually called a hero for recording what she did. Like, I do not think I would have the presence of mind to quickly record something on my phone if I knew something was about to go south. Oh, my God. Like, I can't even pull up. There's no, like I was telling you before this podcast, I can't even find the app fast enough. I can't even record my kid fast enough to catch whatever the hell he's doing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how she did that. Oh, my God, but yeah. Yeah, 
if something sketchy is happening, you should just automatically get your camera, hit the video, and just start recording. Yeah. I need a shortcut or something. Yeah, it's a shortcut on the iPhone. It's pretty easy. So There probably is for me, too, and I just don't know about it because oh I'm 98 God. years old. Well, we don't leave the house. So <laughs> yeah. I think we're safe unless there's a home invasion. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the other day, I, oh, my God, this is how paranoid I am. I know that it was some, like, solicitor or something because I looked out my eye holes. Is that what you call People. Them? People. <laughs> And I, it was like a really soft knock at first. Ew. It was really weird. Fuck, no. And so I looked out and it was some guy with like a lanyard on. So I was like, oh, it's some solicitation. Yeah. And he ended up like talking to somebody else that was coming down the hallway. Oh, God. But that was like at, I want to say like five o'clock. And then at like seven o'clock, I heard another soft knock on Ew. the door. I really don't like a soft knock. No. And I was like, I'm not going to the door. And then my mind went wild. I was like, is somebody casing my house, like trying to find out <gasps> if I'm home to like see if they can break in? Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Do they not have like a ring you can put on your... Yeah, I, I could. I could. I yeah. think so. Oh God. But then I would catch every idiot walking down the hallway. <laughs> oh, that's true. You could just set it for like doorbell rings. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, true. God. Oh my God. Remember anyway. that lady who kept knocking on that lady's door? Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, and the, the guy, what was it? He was like, I'm going <gasps> to. That was scary. That guy who was like, I just want to kill you. I just want to rape you. He was saying it so, like, matter over and over I'm again. I'm going to rape you. What was he like? I, I can't Is remember. Is everything okay? I don't remember what he said, but it, it was, was like. so uh, creepy. Are you sure? Are you sure? <gasps> he wasn't talking to anybody either. Are you sure? He kept are saying, sure? are you sure? Oh, God. Oh, it was horrible. And I heard that guy was totally normal like a few months prior. Really? Yeah, he was like a totally normal guy. And he just like went off the hinges. Oh my God. That's uh, really scary. Uh, anyway. That doesn't happen to me. <laughs> like you go off the hinges? Yeah. <laughs> and I start Are you sure? saying weird shit to people's oh ring God. doorbells. The Delphi murder tip line was routed to the FBI's major case contract center in Washington, D.C. because of the sheer number of calls they were receiving. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There was a reward for information leading to an arrest that increased to $96,000 by February 27th. By March 1st, a few, not even two days later, it was 200000 Oh, my God. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Community members began to, quote, light up Delphi by installing orange lights on their porch lights as a tribute to the girls. Mm. And then they formed the Trail Safety Task Force on March 8th to help improve the safety along the Delphi Historic Trails where Abby and Libby were hiking when they first went missing. And the bridge is a part of those trails. On March 9th, 2017, at Delphi United Methodist Church, a presser was held where Libby's grandfather, Mike, spoke to the media for the first time since the murders. He talked about who the girls were, their love of softball, and the family's desire to find their killer. On March 16, 2017, state and federal authorities executed a search warrant at the home of the Carroll County man who owns the property where the two teenage girls were found murdered. Mm -hmm. His name is Ron Logan. He had admitted that he drove to a county dump site on the day the two young girls were found murdered on his land. However, it was determined that the trip he took to the dump, the dump, 
This is especially for Tudor. Are you at the dump right now? Oh my God. <laughs> Did I mention that? I don't think you mentioned it on the podcast. <laughs> oh my God. So in the Chandler Halderson episode, we talk about how Chandler tells his girlfriend he's going to the dump. And we are both like, who even goes to the dump? Like that is like, if my boyfriend went to the dump, that would like raise red flags to me. Yeah. Well, my husband <laughs> was listening to our podcast, which I really appreciate. Thanks. Yes. Thanks, dudes. But he pulled up at the dump as soon as we said that. I don't even <laughs> remember what he was dumping, but like, he was like, hopefully not a body. I was at my parents' house with him. And he was like, oh, yeah, I went to the dump today. And I immediately felt hair stand up on the back of my neck. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, yeah, I was actually listening to your podcast when you were like, who goes to the dump? And I was just like, oh, well, that makes it a little better. Because you're acknowledging that it's weird. Yeah. (laughs) But I can't believe he pulled up to the dump when we were talking about the dump. Yeah, and I can't believe this guy just goes to the dump the day two girls are murdered. The dump is sketchy. I know, the dump. Oh, man. The dump. Don't, just don't go to the dump, people. Just don't go to the dump. Recycle. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. So it was determined that the trip he actually took to the dump. <laughs> <laughs> dump boom. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a dump. Okay. This drink is affecting me. I'm sorry. I love it. So the trip he took to the dump was actually a few hours before the girls were even dropped off at the park. So it checked out. Unfortunately for Ron, he was on probation for a 2014 operating while intoxicated conviction and was a habitual traffic offender. And somehow they found out that he had been drinking too and he wasn't supposed to be driving. And so he got charged and he was sentenced to three and a half years in prison. That sucks. (laughs) He's just living his life, going to the dump. I know. Drinking his drink. Yeah. But I guess when you're on probation, it's a no, no. (laughs) I guess. What else are you going to do though? I know. Really? Just kidding. Ron was never named a suspect in the girls' murders, and they called the search a normal part of the investigation because they were found there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. He actually died the other day. What? R.I.P. Ron. I'm sorry. Did he die in jail? No. I think he got out. 17, 18, 19, 20. So he probably got out in 2020. Yeah, I think so. I think he was out. And then he got your cat's ass. Oh, my God. In your drink. (laughs) Barry just put her asshole on my drink. So he comes out of prison to a world that's shut down in lame. Oh, yeah, he did. That sucks. Barry, rest in peace. Rest in peace, Ron. Barry. She is being crazy right now. She does not act like this. Barry. Because <laughs> she smells. She loves plants. And thus seeds, too. I Mallory guess. bought a whole bunch of seeds for Ukraine. Yeah, there's a company called Baker Creek, and they have really cool, unique, like, heirloom-type stuff. Like, nothing that you buy on that site is going to be a normal variety. Okay. It's always going to be... The website... uh uh-uh, you can't. God, my <laughs> cat. She was literally in front of the microphone. Um, <laughs> say something. The website is literally called rareseeds.com, so they're all, like, uncommon... Stuff. Yeah, it's cool. Anyway, Anyways, Ron, Ron was not a suspect. Ron was not a suspect. So after two months, 16,000 tips, 
In over 500 interviews, there were still no suspects in Abby and Libby's murders, and no arrests had been made. On April 27th, 2017, the family of Libby and families of Libby and Abby sit down with RTV6, which is a TV station out of Indianapolis, for the first interview since the two were murdered. And it's called Delphi Daughters, the Untold Stories of Libby and Abby. And on that, they announced that they're going to actually build a sports complex in honor of the girls because they love softball. I think um, one of them played either volleyball or soccer, too. On July 15th, 2017, the first Memorial Softball Tournament was held in honor of Libby and Abby, and then the proceeds of that tournament went toward building the sports complex. July 17th, 2017, a sketch was released of the suspect. Police specifically say that this sketch is of the man on the bridge. They gave him a hat. But when you looked at, when you said that. I did not see a hat. When you said that. It looks like hair because yeah. there's a crown, like yeah. a, um, you know, what yeah, I'm like saying? the the part of your hair where it separates everywhere. Yes, the cyclone, the whirlpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know <laughs> what. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so he's described as a white male between five feet six inches and five feet ten, weighing between 180 and 220 pounds, with reddish brown hair. The sketch came from eyewitnesses that were there in the area of the Monon High Bridge. So I guess they did see a hat. I guess they did see a hat, yeah. Um, But can you describe this? Yeah, so he is a stocky-looking man with a hoodie, a goatee, like, kind of coming in, not very, like, full. He has a, like, what kind of hat is that called? It's a golf hat, like, one of those... Like or like newsboy, yeah, paint. like a hat that someone who is a douchebag would wear. Um, <laughs> That's <and> very descriptive. <laughs> he has eyes that literally have no life. His eyes are very wide set, yeah, and the brow is very low, and his nose is like bulbous, bulbous, very, and he's a thick neck, very thick. Yeah, with this revelation. I have planned a break. Ooh. So I'm going to finally get a drink refill because I haven't been able to because nice. I've been talking so much. And we can give Barry all the love she mm. wants. Because so she wants it. We'll see you guys soon after the break. Okay, bye-bye. All right, we're back, babes. Yes, ma'am, Sergeant Ham. <laughs> I hate myself. (laughs) It's a good one. (laughs) Good. It's so good. I'm so pleasantly surprised. I don't drink gin. I the last two I've done had gin in them, and I don't drink gin either. Tastes just like anything else. I I don't know the difference. Yeah. (laughs) Gin and tonic does taste different to me, Mm -hmm. but that's because there's no flavors going on. Yeah. Okay, so tips keep rolling in, and you guys will have listened to this five seconds before, but police just released a sketch of Bridge Guy, but it wasn't until September 28th, so this is months later, that a person of interest was named. Indiana State Police were contacted by a sheriff's department in Colorado about similarities in their case against a man named Daniel Nations and the Delphi murders. Oh my god. 
Mallory just went to a slide where it shows his picture side by side with the sketch, and it is very Isn't similar. It so similar. It's crazy. It's oh my crazy. god, he's scary looking. He is scary looking. His eyes are so wide oh set too. <laughs> his eyes are like literally on the side of his head. I'm scared. Yeah, you should be because Daniel Nations. A registered sex offender from in, Indiana. Fuck no. Was arrested in Woodland Park, Colorado. Do you and, know what he was charged with? Like, yeah. Well, listen. Oh my god. In September 2017, uh, he was charged with threatening strangers on a trail with a hatchet. Oh fucking <laughs> my god. He a hatchet. The expired Indiana plates on his car was noticed by police, who subsequently discovered an outstanding warrant under his name, igniting public speculation even even further, because this was huge news. Like, because this had been, you know, so many months, there had been nothing, only searches of that one house, and then Ron Logan's property, and nothing came of it. Now we have, like, a person of interest, and Mm -hmm. the public is going nuts. He was found in Colorado, though? This guy, yeah. Okay. It was reported that a bicyclist had been fatally shot on the same trail around the same time that he was purportedly terrifying passersby. Oh, my God. An El Paso County Sheriff's spokesman told reporters that however many similarities there were between the cases, he was not at liberty to disclose them since Indiana investigators did not want any more information released. They were really keeping stuff close to them because they want that one thing that the killer knows. Yeah, that no one else knows. Exactly. They don't want like a situation with like the Tanya Bennett case. Oh my God, yes. Exactly. That was horrible. Oh my God. God. They're like, this is what happened. Jesus Christ. That's episode, I don't know. It's episode eight. It is episode eight. Mm-hmm. You sure? Yeah, because I did episode nine and we're on episode ten. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to think Counting what was my last, <laughs> last <hard>. story. <laughs> You're right. Okay. So on January 5th, 2018, Nations was sentenced to three years of probation for threatening members of the public in Colorado. Probation? Mm-hmm. However, he was not released since he had an active warrant out on him back in Indiana. So he was actually transferred to Indiana officials' custody on an unrelated charge, which was failure to register as a sex offender. So he's a really cool guy. Literally gives me chills. And I, if I were to walk into him on a trail... And he has a hatchet in his hand, like... Oh, my Can you imagine? This dude is crazy. It looks exactly like the sketch. I cannot reiterate this enough. He looks so much like the sketch. So much. Unfortunately, in early February 2018, a year later, after they were found, authorities said that Nations was no longer considered an active person of interest in the Delphi murders. But why? They did not say. Huh? Thomas Bruce, formerly worked as a pastor, is charged with fatally shooting one woman and sexually assaulting two others. Oh my god. What? After, That's insane, Mallory. After having ordered them at gunpoint into the back of a room of a suburban St. Louis shop for religious supplies. It was like a Christian store. Ew. Yeah. This dude is fucked. <laughs> Committed in broad daylight 
he also kind of resembles the sketch. This is why on my slideshow I include. You're about to see a whole bunch of people that. Oh look my like god, sketch. Mallory! I'm gonna think everyone's guilty. <laughs> oh my god, and they are all like bad people too. Yeah, yeah. Fuck! Isn't that crazy? Oh my god, this is insane. So, <laughs> oh my god. So he committed these crimes in broad daylight, November nineteenth, twenty eighteen. So some noted his being of similar stature, which was the five foot seven to five foot nine. And then the suspect description in the Delphi murders, he he was also wearing a flat cap, which was the like golf hat thing, and a navy blue jacket during this attack. So Indiana State Police did look into this possible connection, but they couldn't make a connection to this case. Also, his hair color is white and gray. That's true. It's not reddish brown. Yeah, yeah that's true. I feel like we're playing Clue. <laughs> I no, know. Not, not Clue. Guess who? Guess who? Yeah, Yeah. you're right. On December 4th, Bruce was charged with no fewer than 17 felony counts related to the St. Louis case, and he received the death penalty. Just as a... Bye-bye. Wrap up on that guy. Are you ready for your next one? Yeah. Oh, gross. (laughs) But doesn't he also look exactly like the sketch? Yes. What the fuck? Like... Ew. (laughs) All right. This is Charles Eldridge. Gross. Can you see why, like, every time some one of these would come out and they were, like, possibly being related to the case and they looked at the sketch, people were like, it's him. It's yeah, him. It's, it's him. Yeah. Like, they look so much like the sketch. Yeah. He has the same hair color that they report, same, like, yeah. stature, same bulbous the nose. nose and the brow are really in the wide set eyes. Yeah. Uh. Yep. So Charles Eldridge was arrested on January 8th, 2019 in Union City, Indiana on charges of child molestation and child solicitation. Ew. I can't believe how common this is. Mallory, this disturbs me. Unbelievable. Police in Randolph County alerted the FBI to a potential link between Eldridge and the Delphi murders on account of his strong resemblance to the suspect sketch, but no connection was made to Abby and Libby's case. But he looks just like the sketch. Like, really. He looks like a longer version. Yeah. Stretched. Mario 64. (laughs) Yeah. What? (laughs) So, on April 22nd, 2019, so we're two years out now. Investigators held a press conference to provide a, quote, significant update on the case. At the press conference, investigators released a new sketch of the suspect. And it looks like the opposite. Nothing like the first one. Nothing. But it does have the poofy hair that I said. It does have the poofy hair. It still kind of has a bulbous nose. He has a thick neck. And whitish set eyes. Although it's kind of like wall-eyed. Yeah. It's weird. And the low brow still. He looks like he could say down the hill. I didn't know that there was a type of person that looked (laughs) like they could say down the hill. (laughs) So they released a new sketch of the suspect and they released new audio of the suspect speaking. Oh. And new video of the suspect (gasps) walking. Oh my God. Oh my God. At this press conference, Indiana State Police... Superintendent Doug Carter addressed the killer directly, saying, Directly to the killer, who may be in this room? What? We believe you were hiding in plain sight. For more than two years, 
You never thought we would shift gears to a different investigative strategy, but we have. We likely have interviewed you or someone close to you. We know this is about power to you, and you want to know what we know. And one day, you will. Creepy. And yeah. also, like, fucking get them. Mm. Yeah. Stop at the games. Yeah. This case is still not solved. So the new audio just included one extra word prior to down the hill. I will play it for you. Oh, no. Guys? Guys. Guys. So it says guys down the hill. So he, like we were kind of speculating before, he was talking directly to the girls, saying, guys, go down the hill. Like, if you were to call someone guys, you're probably probably acting like a friend or like a helper, right? Not like a... Yeah, um, a lot of people say, too, that he seems like he's a very confident person and like somebody that is used to directing people because he had no problem just saying guys down the hill he just seemed very um uh familiar it was very casual casual yeah. yes it was very casual you're right and it's not like authoritative or like ordering someone it's yeah like this way go yeah. on down the hill yeah yeah but it it doesn't sound like threatening i guess is what it, i'm saying it, it yeah you're right it doesn't sound threatening but if anyone who wasn't who I was with was telling me to do anything, it would be threatening. Exactly. I think that's where that's where I feel like it is a little bit authoritative because who are you? Like, why are you telling us to go down the hill? Yeah, no. Like, I would be like, hell no. What are you doing? Unless he was like, there's something really cool I want to show you. Yeah, you have to approach it more like <laughs> friendly. <laughs> yeah, like there's something really cool, like a cool cave you guys should look at, like yeah. go down the hill or something like that. Yeah, but he was just like, guys, down the hill. Ugh. Ugh. It's so creepy. So the video that they released of the suspect walking is a very... Oh, it looks like a hat here. It's a very short clip. Oh, it does look more like a hat when you look at it's it like, like that. It's solid. Yeah. It is solid. They did note that the gate was probably irregular because of the spacing between the railroad ties on the bridge. So Libby took this video at an unknown time after the two Snapchats were uploaded. Police did say that the girls mostly in the video talked about stuff girls talk about in the recording, but later they mentioned a man that they noticed behind them on the bridge. Sheriff Tobe Lesenby with Carroll County said it appears that the girls initially took photos for fun, but later become became uncomfortable and recorded the video as a precaution. That's something anyone Amazing. would do. Yeah. You know, like I would do that. I, but I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't think about it. I think that's what I've said, like, or like quickly enough. Yeah, you would, you would. It takes me 30 minutes to find an Uber eats app. That's a different story. <laughs> your pictures or your camera, like, Think about when you're in traffic and you see a stupid license plate or a sticker and you're like, Ugh. well, that's true. Yeah, I do try to pull that up pretty quickly. I still need that shortcut, though. I need to figure that out. 
So in the released video, it's believed that Libby's perspective is from the southeastern side of the bridge, which is looking backwards where they came from. So they had basically walked across the bridge and he's walking towards them. When Sheriff Tobe Lesenby was asked point blank if the attack was recorded in a video interview, he answered that it was not. Regarding the sketch, the new sketch. So, okay, this is crazy to me. State police said it was initially believed that the sketch that has been in public view over the last two years of a person in the age range of his 40s to 50s was a person of interest in the murder investigation. Now, as the investigation has matured and past information has been reassessed, it is the belief of investigators with the multi-agency task force that the person depicted in the sketch released on April 22nd more accurately represents the person wanted for the murders of Abby and Libby. So maybe someone like 20s to 30s? 20s to 40s? They ended up having to release a clarification because people were all confused about it. They're saying they are not the same person. The sketches are not the same person. Oh. The person depicted in the originally released sketch is not presently a person of interest in this investigation. The sketch released on April 22nd, which is the most recent one, is representative of the face of a person captured in the video on Libby German's cell phone as he was walking on the high bridge. And then they said... The person in the sketch released on April 22nd, which is the most recent one, is described as having a youthful appearance, but could fall in the age range from his 20s to late 30s. Yeah. The person's appearance could look different today if he has grown a mustache, beard, or let his hair grow longer, or cut his hair shorter than depicted in the sketch. So police also released a few new tidbits of information, including that their suspect, the man in the new sketch was between 18 and 40 years old, Mm -mm. but could appear much younger than he actually was. So, like, if he's 18, what do you think? He's, like, 12 or something? What the heck? They also said that they believe the man is from Delphi, is familiar with Delphi, or actually works in the city. The podcast Best Case, Worst Case claimed to have heard from their sources that The man in the July 17th sketch was arrested and cleared, hence the change of suspects. The website I pulled this from, which is called actusreus.com, which is a a legal term, they stated normally that they would consider this type of information to be rumor and not include it. However, due to the high credibility of the two hosts, it's a special circumstance because The podcast's best case, worst case, is hosted by Jim Clemente, who worked for the FBI for 22 years, in part as a supervisory special agent in the behavioral analysis unit, and Francie Hakes, who was a former federal prosecutor and the country's first national coordinator for child exploitation prevention and interdiction which is a post appointed by the U.S. Attorney General. So they're (laughs) pretty credible people, I feel like. (laughs) On the other side of the spectrum were the self-proclaimed web sleuths and armchair detectives, which admittedly I am one of those, that started to unofficially connect multiple men to the crimes, which prompted investigators to put out pleas to the public to stop sharing images of random men online. (laughs) (laughs) They said, quote... The Carroll County Sheriff's Office posted this on social media. 
Please stop posting side-by-side pictures of people you think that did this. You are ruining innocent people's lives. Before posting a side-by-side, imagine that it is your son, brother, or father. Yeah, I mean... I mean, really, truly, I mean... (laughs) Unless you have proof... Yeah, that people are just posting, like... Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God, yeah, that's that's terrible. Mm -hmm. Ew. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, so on April 27th, 2021... Indiana State Police detectives named James Brian Chadwell II as a new person of interest in the Delphi murders. James Chadwell II, he was 42, was arrested after police found a missing 10-year-old girl in the basement of his home. Excuse me? Yes. A missing 10-year-old girl in the basement of his home? Yeah. Police say the young girl had suffered multiple injuries and had bite marks on her body. Ew. Um, Was that, like, someone he knew or just, like, a random... I don't know. Oh, my God. The girl told the investigators that she was invited into Chadwell's home to pet his dogs. Oh, my God. And then after she went inside, he forced her into the basement. And then once she was in the basement, he tried to strangle her, beat her in the head, and then forced her to perform sexual acts. How long was she there? Uh, I don't know, actually. Oh, my God. I don't have that. Ten years old. Ten. All right, well, he needs to just, like, die in prison for just that. Well, he will, because he was sentenced to 90 years in jail. It's actually unclear at this point in time whether the police are still looking into him or not. They never said whether or not he is no longer a person of interest, interestingly. Is he in Indiana? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think he is in Indiana. I he did does not say, resemble the newest sketch, I think. I feel like he resembles both of them. He does. It's like a mishmash. That's why I put both of the pictures up there. It's like a mishmash of both. He's got the same hairline as the second one, the new one. Yeah. But the both of the, the sketches have the same low brow. They have the same bulbous nose, and thin same, lips. Like, squinty eyes. Yeah. Small eyes and flat mouth. Mm-hmm. But the police said that was a different person, so I don't get it. Like, I don't... It, it's really confusing to me. Even though the sketches look totally different, they have similar general features. They do. It's like a younger version of the mm. first sketch. Mm. <laughs> oh, my God, no. Oh, my God. I'm freaking out because of a theory I want to tell you about. Oh, time traveler? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, that would be amazing. The son no. of a <laughs> the son of someone. Oh my god, she's doing the eyebrows. <laughs> so that was one horrible or one of the horrible guys. There's another one. Oh my god, he doesn't look anything like it. Yeah, he looks the least like it, I think. On July 23rd, 2019, Paul Etter was wanted for kidnapping and rape of a 26-year-old woman on June 22nd. In Tippecanoe County. Five days later, Edder was surrounded by police. And after a five-hour standoff, he died by suicide. Oh, well, thank you, Paul, for that. Yep. Thank you for your um, service. (laughs) Um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) What the fuck? I don't know. 
Tippecanoe County Sheriff Sergeant Thad Miller said he was being looked at in connection to the girl's case because his name had come up, but he doubted that he was at the top of the list of the suspects. So, December 9th, 2021, not that long ago, Indiana State Police were looking for anyone who had social media contact with someone using the profile name Anthony underscore Shots between 2016 and 2017. The profile name was used on social media applications, including but not limited to Snapchat and Instagram. Investigators... (laughs) Investigators say the profile could be connected to the Delphi investigation and that the profile was confirmed to have belonged to a 27-year-old man named Kagan... Keegan, maybe? It's Kagan. Kagan? It's Kagan. I listened to an interview with one of his friends, and he called him Kagan the entire time. Ew, I hate that. Yeah. A 27-year-old man named Kagan Anthony Klein of Peru, Indiana. He's currently in jail awaiting trial for 30 alleged crimes, including including child exploitation, (gasps) possession of child pornography. what the fuck? Neck Child beard. solicitation. He doesn't have a neck. <laughs> For sexual intercourse and obstruction of justice. Kagan allegedly set up the fake social media accounts. Um, he used images of a well-known... He was like a social media influencer or whatever. Like Instagram model type. He's a police officer now, but... He portrayed himself as being extremely wealthy and owning numerous sports cars. The profile communicated with juvenile females to solicit nude images, obtain their addresses, and attempt to meet them. The real man in the catfish pictures is Vincent Kowalski. Kowalski? I'm saying that wrong. I'm sorry. Vincent. A married 25-year-old Alaska police officer and father who says he is horrified to have his face connected to the gruesome killings. That is an insane incident. I don't know. Like, Yeah. But he is very good looking. He looks so young to me. Well, I think I, so I was looking into doing some kind of catfish type murder. And so I looked into this and then I immediately saw it was something Mallory was doing. (laughs) But I saw an interview with him. An interview with the... The cop. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't even see that. Oh my God. The cop. And he... so obsessed with this case for so long. And he, I guess that's what I'm thinking of. Mm. The cop just seemed... Well, he's older now, I guess, right? Because this was 2017. Yeah. Or 2016. Like older yeah, now. yeah, yeah, yeah. So in December 2021, actually, HLN reporter Barbara McDonald interviewed Kagan. Only portions of this were televised, but authorities accidentally uploaded the full transcript as well as the full transcript (laughs) of the police interview of Kagan Klein. Oh, whoopsie. Oops. (laughs) Good job. My bad. They took it down an hour later, but podcasters Anya Kane and Kevin Greenlee from the podcast Murder Sheet happened to get lucky and saw it available in the time frame it was up. And thus Mallory saw it. And thus Mallory saw it. Yay. They have released the transcript of Barbara's interview. They haven't actually released the police interview yet because it has to be heavily redacted. 
and they're they seem very responsible. Kevin is actually an attorney himself. Mm-hmm. So they're going to redact the entire thing, but in the next half of a month or a month or so, they're going to release the entire interview. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait. I need all this dirty deets. Yeah. So Murder Sheet interviewed Kagan's friend Dylan on one of their episodes. And according to Dylan, Kagan was a monumental bullshitter. He claimed to have many jobs that he never had bragged about things that weren't true, and just was pretty much a habitual liar. Oh. I think some of the interview with Barbara, this is something I'm still trying to figure out. Some of the interview with Barbara has sparked suspicion that the police are actually interested in Kagan's dad in relation to Abby and Libby's murders. Barbara kind of asks him like softball questions, but she asks a lot about his dad. You'll kind of see why. Um, I'm going to read parts of the interview here. I actually have edited some of the sentences to make more sense since I'm the only one reading it, but no content of the sentences I edited has been omitted. They did a lot of interrupting each other, so I just kind of made it more easy to read by myself. (laughs) So Barbara asks, So you're aware there's a bunch of news stories out there linking you to the Delphi murders? Kagan says, yeah, I saw that on the news. Barbara asks, did you have anything to do with the murders of Abby or Libby? He says, no, not at all. And I gave up my DNA, a hair follicle test. I've done everything they wanted me to do. Barbara asks, where were you on February 13th, 2017? He says, I was at my house. They have my GPS locations and everything. Barbara asks if he made the fake profile named Anthony Schatz. He says, uh, yeah. So Anthony Schatz was communicating with Libby. Was that you? That's what they said. She asks, was that you? He said, no, not that I remember, but that's what they're saying. She said, so you may have been communicating with Libby, but maybe not. He said, right. So Barbara asks if anyone else could have had access to that profile. He says his dad might have been using the profile as well. Gross, what? I my like they're sharing a profile? My first thought. So sex ring. So this dude. Okay. When I was listening to the interview with his friend Dylan, he said this guy does not like he's like saying that he has so many jobs and he's making so much money, blah blah blah. He thinks that he was selling like this type of material online to people oh, to make a living. My like child yes. porn? Yes. Oh, yes. Child, no, sorry. Child sexual, sexual abuse, abuse images. Material. Yeah. And my first thought when I read when I read this, I was like, his dad doesn't have access to his Instagram profile. It's so dumb. But it seems like they had a, like, a for some reason, and you'll see in a second, it seems very plausible that I think they, like, Shared phone, like had some some devices that they did share. So, okay, so could they both be like running a business? It's very possible. Like a sex ring or like a porn site or something. I really dark web. That's very possible. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, absolutely. Kagan says that he 
doesn't think that his dad has anything to do with Abby and Libby because he says that they were both together the entire day on February 13th, 2017. So Barbara asks, so why do you think investigators are putting so much focus on you right now? Kagan says, I have not a clue because they, I think it's because they said I was the last person to talk to her is what they've told me. Barbara says, oh, then she shows up at the bridge and they're abducted and later found dead. He says, right. She says, and that was not you? He says, no, 100% no. They have my GPS the whole day. One thing I want to mention here is it seems like he had multiple devices and phones Mm. because they confiscated several of them. It was just a few days after, well, not a few days. It was about a week and a half to two weeks after the murders. They confiscated all of his electronic devices and there were multiple and there was one that was left behind Somehow, I don't know how it was missed, but he ended up calling them and telling them, hey, this one was left behind. You need to take it or whatever. But it just seemed like that they had multiple devices that they were using. So anyway. (laughs) So he could have like given my theory. (laughs) Yeah. Well, my thought is, okay, you're saying that they have your GPS the whole day, but You could have been anywhere. Your fucking device could have been at your house. Yeah. You know. You're not your device. You are a human being. Yeah, exactly. Your device doesn't tell us where you are. Mm Mm-hmm. So at this point, Barbara shifts to questions about his dad. She asks if he thinks investigators are thinking that his dad could be involved in the murders. He says, well, I know about two Fridays ago... Yeah, I think it was two Fridays, three Fridays ago, they raided him. And I'm not sure what it was about or (laughs) what, but on the news, I saw them show the house. And then his neighbor uh, talked to the police and said, or talked to the reporter and said uh, that he was raided. But I, (laughs) but I, I've tried to contact him. He won't contact me back. So I don't know. (laughs) Yes. By the yeah, that's why I preface this with saying his friend said that he was a monumental bullshitter. Barbara asks what his relationship with his dad is like, like at the time of the interview. He said, we don't talk at all. And she said, why is that? He said, I don't know. But up until about two, three weeks ago, he would talk to me every day, come out and you know, have a visit with me all the time, a few times a week. He put money on my books. I mean, we would talk every day almost. Barbara says, and so he has sort of been ghosting you since the last, what, two weeks? He said, yeah, yeah. Since the raid on his house? He said, yeah. Barbara asks, does that sound to you like he's scared? Kagan says, I, I would think. Because I have no reason why he wouldn't talk to me. You know, you know what I mean? I'm his only child. I mean, we had a great relationship. Barbara asks if he thinks he's the type of person who could have killed the girls. Kagan says, I don't think so because I was with him. You know what I mean? So it wasn't him. But in his past, he's had, like, he's beaten up his ex-wife. I mean, he's held guns to us when we were kids. 
You know what I mean? What? He says, you know what I mean? <laughs> He's held guns to us while we were kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, Kagan. No, Kagan. We don't know what you mean. I'm sorry. <laughs> Baby boy. He says he's not really a great person. You know what I mean? He must love the, the phrase, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? mean? You know what what I mean? mean? So cash. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Go Dodgers. You know what I mean? <laughs> Go Red Sox. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> so Barbara clarifies with Kagan that he knew his father was also into child pornography. How? Ew. No. What? She asks how long he has known that about him. He said, I mean, I can remember being around 20 years old and him having sex with one of my friends that was underage. What? I was about 19, I'd say, and she was about 17. And he's a grown man. He's in his 40s by then. Isn't that disgusting? Oh, my God. This reminds me of Euphoria. I would just like to say right now, I looked at Tony Klein's Facebook page. He portrays like nothing is off in the world. Like everything is hunky-dory. It's just so gross to me that this man has had sex with a 17-year-old and he's like posting on Facebook. It just- he probably goes to church every Sunday and he's like, oh, holier than thou. You I know. don't know. He doesn't seem like it. He's like a race car type. Oh. <laughs> race car types aren't He's a Jesus. race car type. <laughs> well, there are Jesus types, but they don't go to church, I feel like. That is so creepy. Mm-hmm. Valerie, I finished Euphoria, and then Tudor watched it after me. Oh, did Tudor, he really? Tudor, like, loved it. Oh, my God. I think the show was well done, but it was so depressing. Did you feel depressed after you finished it? I mean, I felt depressed the entire time. Okay. <laughs> but then I was kind of like, I kind of want to keep watching because it was like a train wreck. Anyway, there's like Are a, there more seasons? There's two seasons. There's a dad in the show who like was sexing up people. No. And it was a secret. But that's what it reminds me of. Oh, my God. What's that man right there? Yeah. That's so gross, man. Oh, my God. Ugh. Anyways, so (laughs) Barbara says, I know you say he was with you that day, but would your father be capable of going out and walking this bridge and killing two girls? Would he physically be capable of doing that? Mm -hmm. Kagan says, yeah, yeah. He hunts and he's got to pull out deer. So, I mean, yeah, I would think he would be capable of doing it. But yeah, Barbara says, but you know, he was with you. He said, yeah. It looked like an older man's gait in the video. Like a but also it's but hard to the walk the railroad. railroad ties. So I police are saying it's a younger person, but I will say But he also wears like trendy clothing kind of from what you see. And the clothing that the man's wearing in the video is like older man jeans, like the cut of them. Who wears trendy clothing? He's kind of like wearing like a trendy hat and oh. like a Kagan is. Yes. And so my thought is, what if it's the dad? I think it's the dad. Yeah. Because he's wearing like dad style jeans. Yes. And like a dad style jacket and like a dad style hat. Right. And this dude is so much fatter than his father. He gained weight weight from that picture. Yep. 
But I think the body type kind of checks out too. Yeah. And he has the low brow. He has the nose. He has the long chin from the second sketch. He resembles it. I think the only thing is the hair maybe that doesn't match up. But, you know, who knows if he could have gotten a haircut between then and now. Mm -hmm. And the color. Um, Yeah. So where things stand now, I kind of want to go over. The evidence released publicly since Libby and Abby were murdered remains minimal. I mean, we have what I showed you here. That's pretty much it. The full video and audio from Libby's phone have never been shared, but investigators say it was taken during suspected criminal activity. The sketches were composed from witness accounts of two separate individuals who were in the area of the day of the murders. Indiana State Police later revealed that the second sketch, released more than two years after the girls were killed, was actually the first sketch that they had drawn up. What? Yeah. They also say... Were they both there? They also say they now believe the second sketch is a more accurate depiction of the suspect, although the actual suspect may likely be a mix between both sketches. What? Which is totally contradictory to what they said earlier about the person depicted in the first sketch being no longer a suspect. It's almost like a bot wrote this. Like, <laughs> like it might be the first, but it might be the second, but it might be a mix of the two. It's like, okay, bot. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. I don't get it. I don't understand why That's they would say that. That's not helpful at all. No, it's absolutely not. I don't what if they're both it. there? Like one was a lookout and one was the... Oh, but this is what I wanted to say... They're working together. ...about sketches and you were saying like younger and older. What if younger, older... Kagan? Like what if dad and son were at the park at the same time? That's what I'm saying. And, yeah. One of them was a lookout and one of them was the... Yeah. ...person. The perpetrator. The, the, yeah. The perp. The perp. But they could have also, they've never ruled out it being um, more than one person also. So it could have been. I wonder if like Kagan was the one wearing the plaid shirt who told them. The flannel Yeah, the shirt flannel. guy. Like, oh, oh no, but there's a couple there. Like, Yeah, that would be crazy. So her pictures were taken, her Snapchats were at 2.07. And maybe they hung out at the bridge for a while, but. It had to have happened not too long after that because her no, dad yeah. showed up at like 3.30. Yeah. So was that picture you sh- in the video you showed from her Snapchat? The the picture of the bridge guy? Mm-hmm. That was not a Snapchat. So it was like later? It was an actual video video. Do we know if it was later or before? It was later. Okay. Yeah. So it was super close to when the dad came to pick her up. It had to have been unless it was like minutes after i mean yes it had to have been oh like 3 p or like 2 30 or 3 it's on the bridge mm-hmm. yeah this is so sad yeah it's the dad in custody tony klein is not in custody kagan klein is in custody but i really think that they're trying to get kagan to turn on his dad there's been speculation on reddit that this interview that i was quoting the police are working kind of with Barbara on it and trying to get him to crack on his dad, basically. And that's why she asked so much about him because there's more. Com- I mean, the whole thing is like 20 pages, so I didn't mm. read the whole thing entirely. 
Why? No. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that Tony Klein is definitely a at least a person of interest in this case. So, Indiana State Police say they receive new tips about Abby and Libby's murders almost daily. Every one of those tips and potential leads that are called in and emailed to the Delphi tip lines, more than 40,000 so far, they're vetted by investigators. Every tip that's received is entered into an FBI system called Pyramid. That system stores information like names, descriptions, and motives, so it can be cross-referenced with other tips locally and across the country to find any possible connections. The process is always working, comparing tips received about the Delphi murders with hundreds of other cases and tips. Keeping track of these tips is a major undertaking. Um, Investigators say the more information a tipster can give them, the better, because the more information they can enter into the system, the more potential connections can be made and checked. So that includes things like the suspect's name, date of birth, approximate age, the physical description like height, weight, hair color, eye color, specific address or location last seen, vehicle descriptions, even license plate, year, make, model, color, the reason for the tip, like why are they, why do you think they could be the suspect, the motivation for the crime, and the connection to Delphi. Tips can remain anonymous. The reward for information leading to the arrest of the Delphi killer is now $325,000. I want to give the email and tip line phone number. <laughs> God, it took me forever to find that <laughs> one. The email is A-B-B-Y-A-N-D-L-I-B-B-Y-T-I-P at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F.com. So it's Abby and Libby tip at C-A-C-O-S-H-R-F.com. And the tip line is 765-822-3535. This case is not solved. So we, you know. We'll put that in the show notes too. So if you know anything. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to do was just talk about the girls a second. So the most used photo of Abby shows her wearing a polka dot hat. And Abby's mom said that this was actually at my cousin's bridal shower and their theme was the Kentucky Derby. We actually made those hats. She helped me make that hat. We picked it out. Abby loved all animals. When Abby found a stray cat, she had to convince her mom, who was allergic, into letting her keep it. Once Abby finally won her over, she named the cat Bongo. (laughs) Bongo! (laughs) Abby also loved to camp and swim and being outdoors in general. She liked riding ATVs with her family on camping trips to Michigan. Oh, Abby. Libby would use sticky notes to leave messages of encouragement for others. She left me a note one day in my sun visor, said Becky. I love you. Thank you for all you do for me and Kelsey. She wrote a sticky note for her sixth grade band teacher saying, Band is awesome. Sweetie. Her grandfather, Mike, said, She called me one day. I had given her some money for an item at school or a function, probably a $10 bill. She called me up and said, Grandpa, with the change, can I give it to somebody else? There's somebody who needs something. So that's the way she worked. It's the way she operated. And then just some quotes from family members, just some perspectives like after the fact and some good memories and stuff. Nine months ago, you had just eaten pancakes 
and was out there helping me in the office. I am so sorry I ever said yes to let you go to the trails that day. I let you down. That is something I will carry forever. I am so sorry Kelsey is going through this. It kills me seeing her in pain. And that's her grandmother, Becky Patty. For weeks, I tore myself down, contemplating how I should have been with her. I told myself I could have saved them. I may not have made it, but at least my sister might be here. I wouldn't be hurting. I was in denial for a long time. I kept telling myself that it wasn't real and that Libby would be walking through my bedroom door any minute to tell me about her day. Kelsey, her sister. Jesus Christ. Every day my goal is to get up, get dressed, and to go to work and just keep moving. She was my one and only. There's a lot of things that we aren't going to have anymore. There isn't going to be prom. There aren't going to be weddings, college, those things that you think you're going to be having. And that's Anna Williams, Abby's mother. She called early in the week and said, Grandpa, I'm all signed up for girls softball. I'd like you to come down and take me shopping for a glove and a bat and shoes. We got back to the hotel and we played catch out in the parking lot with her new glove. Then we went to the park and I got to pitch to her, hit some flies, the whole grandpa thing. That's how we left it. She was so excited to be on a team with Libby. I always talk about her as being my granddaughter and kind of my best friend. We done everything together. And that's Cliff Williams, Abby's grandfather. That's the story I have. Oh, I really like how you ended it on really special moments of the girls. I mean, it humanizes them more and like yeah. makes I think it would make people more apt to like try and help. Yeah. Find absolutely. Them. Like I really feel like it's the dad. I one hundred percent think it's well, I don't know. I won't say a hundred percent, but I feel like law enforcement is honing in on this guy for a reason. Yeah. And they don't want to like spook him. And there's no way they didn't know about this Instagram account immediately when this whole thing yeah. started because they found her phone. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, that's what my final question that I was going to ask you is do you think it was planned or a crime of opportunity? I think it was planned. Yeah. I think I they think must so have too. been meeting that guy. Yes. And that, like, I didn't even have that revelation until I was looking into this case this time. Like, I followed this case when all the shit was going down. But it's been a long time since I've looked at anything. And I was just like, oh, shit. What if they were catfished? Yeah, exactly. I think they were meeting this guy. He was like, oh, let's go on a hike. And it turned out to be Mm -hmm. an old man. Yeah. That ended up killing them. Yeah. Maybe the son was like a lookout or... My God, would they work together on it? I think they must have. My God. So they went on a trip to Vegas just prior to the police coming and searching their home. One last hurrah? I don't know. I guess. Vegas sucks. I've never been. I hate it. (laughs) It's like where neckbeards would go to get like... Titties rubbed in their face. Yeah, I mean, I can totally see that for sure. Hate it. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the avenue they're going down right now. I watched, well, I saw an interview that happened in February. So yeah, last month. Oh my God. I don't know when it is right now. 
And the police superintendent of Indiana State Police seems very confident in their path right now. He said, good. He goes, today could be the day. Sleep well. (laughs) (laughs) I hope these men are having diarrhea. Yeah. In their beds, in their pants, in their cars. So why do you think that Kagan's dad stopped talking to him after the raid that they did the other day? What does that mean? Well, I mean, they probably don't want to perpetuate any, like, guilty scenarios. Like, he probably feels like his phone's tapped now. He probably feels like... Yeah, he doesn't want to say too much. Yeah, he doesn't want to, like, do anything because he thinks he's being watched at this point. Yeah, yeah. They're in it together, I feel like. I do, too. I feel like it's, like, some kind of child porn operation, like, some Mm -hmm. kind of, like, sex ring they're doing, Mm -hmm. like, where they're selling something or... Yeah. Because they both had access to that account Mm -hmm. where they were catfishing little girls. Yeah. And apparently that account is the last person to communicate with Libby. So they must have, well, they probably don't like announce what the last communication was. No. It must have been like, hey, meet me at the bridge. Yeah, very well. And they were probably recording because they're like, this guy's here, but it's not. The sexy who guy we thought. we thought. Oh my god! We're like, this is the guy. Uh, you know, it makes so much so sense. Scary and sad, dude. This oh could god. have been us when we were younger. Yeah, it could have been when we walked out into the woods saying we don't have HIV and AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> they should sure. have done that. <laughs> we do have HIV and AIDS. Is what we said. <laughs> right. You're yeah. Right. We we're like. We're in the woods, and we didn't want anyone to attack us, so and we right announced so. that we have, no, Ashley announced that we have HIV and AIDS, so that no one would attack us. Yeah, I didn't want them to get contaminated, <laughs> slash rape us. <laughs> That's like life as a girl, though. You're just constantly You're thinking afraid. of ways to, to like, Thwart. ward off yes. predators. yes. Like, Oh, my God, Mallory, did you go to your HIV treatment today hoping someone doesn't right. rape you? you know? Yeah. That's the type of thing that we were thinking. Yeah, that's exactly what we were thinking. Oh, my God. That's all I got, though. Um, let me cite my sources real quick. I got stuff from WRTV.com. Got a lot from the HLM podcast, Down the Hill, The Delphi Murders. And I got some from IN.gov. And then there was this really good website called actus-reus.com, A-C-T-U-S-R-E-U-S.com. It has a really good timeline and like photos. And that's where I pulled the maps that I showed you from. And then Murder Sheep Podcast, who is the OG transcript hero. (laughs) Nice. Thanks. Yeah. You guys are awesome. So yeah, that's it. I'm so glad that you decided to cover this case. It's a good one. Because I am just like so interested in like catfish type things. And oh, I feel yeah. like this, I started to look into this and then I was like, Miller rules. I know. Thank you for letting me do yes. it, by the way. And I was like, Mallory, <laughs> please just do it because I want to know about it. Like, yeah. tell me about it. So. Yeah. Anyway, 
This is our 10th episode, Mallory. Oh my God, number 10. I can't believe it. Guys, celebrate with us. Give us a great review. Spank our booties. Tell us that we're lovely. (laughs) (laughs) Write us a comment. Write us an email. Say, hey, I'm listening. I'm in Iran. Yeah. (laughs) Iran. Tell us about yourself. Tell us your ASL. ASL. We want to know all about it. Any interaction on social media would be great. Any interaction whatsoever. It'd be great. Would be great. If you... Okay, how about this? If you interact with us... Make a deal. (laughs) If you are someone we don't know Mm -hmm. and you interact with us, we are going to make you something personal. (gasps) Oh, good idea. We're both really crafty. Yeah, we're both like artists and crafty peeps. We will make you something and write you a note to let you know how amazing you are. That's such a good idea. The first person that does it will do that. I have a wide range of... um, Mediums. Yes, mediums. Ashley does as well. So, you know, whatever you want. I can make you a carpet. I can make you a watercolor. I can make you... Don't give them options. Knitting It's going to be a random item (laughs) at our choosing. But if you... (laughs) Somehow interact with us and we don't know you and you listen to this episode, say the word shellfish. Yes, good idea. Say the word shellfish and you don't know us. If somebody that knows us says it, sorry, too bad. But also you're going to have to give us your address later. (laughs) Yeah, we'll message you personally and you can do that. But (laughs) we are so glad we made it to episode 10, aren't we, Barry? Yeah, Barry, we're so glad. We're going to, um, just an announcement, we're going to do an episode on the general audacity of people. Oh, yes. I, I'm so looking forward to this. Yeah, Mallory and I were talking about, we should do an episode about how insane people are. And we wanted to call it the audacity of people. Mm-hmm. And I think we want to invite our friends from French Theory. Yeah. We're gonna Abby do a and Kit, if you're listening, which you probably are. I have not told Abby yet what that we decided that we want to do well, it this way. Well, we'd love to do this. Like some kind of person who has just been a pathological liar all their lives. Like and somebody that... duped someone. Yeah, that lives their lives how you cannot believe. Yeah. Just like the audacity. The audacity know? of something. Kind of like Chandler, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Anywho... See ya next time. We'll see ya in a couple of weeks, baby. Oh, yeah. Love ya. Bye. Bye.